You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise and inspiration on all things Western big game hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 19, where we talk with Matt Wright of Naked and Afraid. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're having a wonderful day. I am having a great day, and that's all that matters. I don't care about you guys. Just kidding. I love you. Thanks for tuning in. I It wouldn't be... What I'm doing without the support and all the good feedback from you guys, so I appreciate you tuning in every other Thursday on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. I've been training currently for a half marathon, and for somebody who has never ran further than a mile and a half in their entire life, this is <laughs> this is uh, definitely testing my limits, but it's it's good, right? It's putting me outside my comfort zone. And, and kind of testing me both physically but mentally as well. So I, I'm kind of doing this for um, a couple reasons. My buddy wanted to do it, uh, but but mainly I agreed to it because, hey, it's, it's mid-August. It's motivation. It's going to get me in shape for elk season, which is, gosh, we're, we're approaching two months here. So it's, it's coming. So I'm, I'm getting my ass in shape, and hopefully I'll be like a little mountain goat by the time – August <laughs> opening day rolls around. So that's, that's been exciting. It's been fun. Um, you know, it's definitely a progression and getting into some of those kind of five to, you know, nine mile runs, depending on the day. And I never imagined ever running that far in my life. It's cool. So I'm, I'm happy about that sticking to a program and, and just trying to be healthy. That's, that's what it's about. Um, let's see. Other than that, I've, I've made up some cool t-shirts <laughs> that are now finally live on the website. If you haven't seen those, definitely check them out. Go to transitionwild.com and go to the shop tab. I made an elk season t-shirt and a deer season shirt. 
they're kind of funny. I don't know. I, I kind of put a grill on there, uh, a deer or an elk, depending on the shirt, and then uh, a, a, an archery, little stick figure guy. <laughs> it's kind of my mentality of like kill it and grill it, and elk season is kind of spelled uh, S-Z-N, so it's kind of quirky. Whatever. I, I made them up. A lot of people have messaged me and, and, and purchased them, so appreciate you guys who have ever uh who's ever bought one so far that's pretty cool to kind of see some gear go out the door and uh other than that i'm just getting ready to you know i'm setting trail cameras i'm starting my scouting and and kind of getting into those areas and putting boots on the ground which is which is always fun speaking of kind of scouting and and getting ready for season i finally have the 2018 Colorado elk hunting guide back live on my website. So if you subscribe to transitionwild.com, give me your email. I won't spam I won't spam you, I promise. Give me your email, you subscribe, I will send you the Colorado elk hunting guide for free. I've updated it for 2018 to have the new regulations. Um, I've added some new stuff in there. I've compiled a lot of this kind of like information and previous podcast episodes to kind of useful links and and quick navigation. So that's pretty cool. Um, If you're planning on hunting in Colorado this year, it's definitely something to look at and it'll walk you through digital scouting gear, you know, how to determine a location, where to hunt and a little bit of tips and tactics in there and just kind of get you off and running. So again, if you're planning on hunting in Colorado this year, I'd head over to transitionwild.com, subscribe. I will send you that for free. All right. I've babbled enough on that. Um, let's see. Yeah, let's well, let's just jump right into it. Today we have Matt Wright of he's he's been on Naked and Afraid. I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard of that show. It's a Discovery Channel show. It's been on there three times. So if that says anything, this guy actually knows what he's doing. You see a lot of guys on the show that just guys and gals that just, you know, they starve and they suffer and go through hell. Matt's, Matt's not one of those guys. He's, he's a pretty cool dude. And uh, really what we're talking about today is just applying kind of that survival and, and mental fortitude and what it takes to be successful, let's say, on that show or in a survival situation and how we can apply that to Western hunting. And we talk about tactics that you can do, being prepared, uh, we talk about the mental preparedness, physical preparedness, um, all revolving kind of around hunting. If you were ever to get into a scenario where you get lost or GPS stops working, uh, need help navigating, you got to stay the night. We talk about a lot of cool shit. So it's been a lot of fun having Matt on the show and I hope you guys enjoy it. So let's not wait any longer and let's get Matt right on the line. All right, well, on the line with us now, we have Matt Wright. How's it going today, man? Hey, good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. How's everything in in greater Denver area? You're in Lakewood, right? Yep, yep, just Lakewood, just well that Denver. It's uh, That's been good. It's, you know, as good as this, being, being around the city can be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you try to try to get out of there as much as possible. I know when I, I moved to Colorado, I was originally looking – to move to the Denver area, but I'm sure glad I ended up up in the mountains further away from, from that, what I call the rat race. Oh, I know. 
Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I grew up in the mountains of, uh, you know, just out, outside of Denver, Conifer area, and uh, live, live in the city. only thing that gets me by is pretty much I spend most of my time, you know, away from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I imagine for you, since you spend so much time in the wilderness – uh, you know, doing, doing so many things outdoors, it might be sometimes a little nice to come back to a little bit of civilization every once in a while. <laughs> it's nice for everything's real easy to do. You know, <laughs> if I need to swing away, grab some at Home Depot or grab, you know, grab parts somewhere or, you know, something it's, you know, you don't have to go on a journey, just find something. So it's, it is, it has its perks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing about living in the mountains. You, you've got to prepared to be prepared to drive. 30 minutes or more just to get to the grocery store or the oh, hardware yeah. store or something convenient along those lines. Malls yeah, are two got, hours you away. Plan your, yeah, exactly. You got to <laughs> plan your day, you plan your entire week even accordingly. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, cool. Well, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Um, we've oh, we've known each other for a while through Quiet Cat, and uh, you have yeah. a couple of our bikes, and, you know, we've just kind of yep. come friends and, and stayed in contact. And, um, you know, I just – from from my perspective, from what I do with with the blog and the podcast, I, I I just find it really intriguing what you do, and really kind of wanted to cover some backcountry stuff, survival, uh, gear, along the lines that we can kind of apply to maybe somebody coming out west for a for a hunting scenario, being mentally prepared, physically prepared, all that good stuff. If that if that sounds like a good plan to you, I'd I'd, I'd love to cover oh, yeah. all of that. Oh, of course, for sure. So, uh, but before we kind of get into all that stuff, Matt, if you can kind of give us, can you give us a little background, maybe like growing up, um, did you start hunting from a young age? Were you always into outdoor kind of activities? Tell us a little bit about growing up and kind of what, what you're doing today. So, um, so I, you know, as long as I can remember it, uh, (laughs) I spent my time outside my, my dad, I refer to him as, you know, the strongest man I've ever met. And, uh, and as as soon as I can pretty much walk, I'm pretty sure he was, you know, he was having me um, go out on adventures with him. And uh, I remember walking into high mountain elevation lakes, um, you know, to go fishing as just a, like, you know, five-year-old kid going on these, you know, eight mile, nine mile walk. And, uh, and it was always something, you know, always something I did. And so it was, I mean, it was just that, that passion. I was, you know, I was maybe six, seven years old. I remember getting my longbow and, you know, I figured I was like, well, I got to kill these bunnies. I got to get these, get to get these, you know, squirrels and, and birds somehow. And, uh, <laughs> I kept, you know, I kept practicing with that bow. And before you know it, my dad had to sit me down and be like, all right, we cannot kill every, every little critter <laughs> around here. And, uh, and, you know, then he kind of showed me more so of the, of the, you know, the beauty of nature. Um, and that, you know, you hunt when you need to. And, and, uh, well then, you know, then we kind of go out and, and it was just, every time we went out, I started just fueled that fire that we all have, you know, like that fire, that fuel that goes out and, you know, takes on those adventures. And I remember being at school and the kids would play sandbox or playing a jungle gym. I was literally, I'd build traps and figure out if I can catch these, you know, catch these critters around the playground and, and, uh, and I remember kids, you know, thinking it was probably a little bit odd. And, uh, but for me, that was, that was my entertainment. It was, you know, was, was kind of figuring out, you know, figuring out maybe more than, you know, just playing, playing video games, doing that kind of stuff. So, uh, 
so it, it, I took that to the next level and always, always went out into one, uh, rifle hunted, tree hunted, um, mainly hunted with my longbow was probably the number one thing. Um, and then, they, uh, and then I went and I joined the, I wanted to, wanted to kind of do a little more. So I went out and joined the U S air force and I was in that for a while. And it, uh, it gave me, you know, a little extra knowledge, I guess you call it a little more discipline and, you know, a couple extra skills to go along with everything else. But, you know, there was still, even while I was in that, I was constantly, you know, trying to figure out how to hunt while I was, while I was out at, you know, at station somewhere. So it was, it was just a constant, constant battle. I've been a hunting guide, hunting guide to try to fill, you know, fill some of that, some of that passion. Um, you know, it's a hunting guide since I was got probably about 20 years old now. And it was nice being a hunting guide because you get to, you get to hunt every season because you're taking people out. But bad part is you don't always get to hunt yourself. <laughs> yeah. You're not the one always pulling the trigger. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but it's kind of an extra challenge because you're sometimes taking out people who've never hunted and, oh, yeah. and uh, trying to get them to pull the trigger at the right time. And, and it's a, uh, but it's, it's always been nice because then you get to learn nature a little better because you're out there every single season, every day of the season, um, taking out people and, and really getting to see it more. Well, then, uh, then it was a few years ago. I just, I was watching this damn show on discovery channel and I'm watching it and it's called naked afraid. And I looked over at my, my now wife and, and I see these people are looking like emaciated and strung out and, <laughs> and I looked over and I was like, I want to go on a show. And she looked at me like, you want to go on the show where people look like they're dying. And I was like, yep. And, uh, and I was like, but I want to go on there and I want to put everything I've ever learned, everything I've ever done to the test and see if I could come out not looking like a war victim. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you want I to actually like, thrive, not just survive. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I literally sent an email into the, you know, into the place and said, hey, you know, you guys are, you guys are messing around. If you want, you know, if you want to see somebody go out there and thrive, I even, I was even extra cocky. I told him, I was like, you put me on the show, you're going to see the first ever big game animal taken in the show's history. And, uh, <laughs> and they're like, okay, yep. And, uh, well, they looked at my resume and they looked, okay, this guy's been a hundred guys for all these years. This guy's been in the military special ops and, uh, you know, done a lot of stuff. They figured, okay, well, let's try it out. Threw, threw me out into Thailand and, you know, Thailand, you know, conquered, conquered that Thailand patch of jungle pretty well. So they put me in the Amazon. And again, I kept telling them, you know, if they put me out there, I'm going to kill a big game animal. Well, no one has at this point ever killed a big game animal. So they had given up on that fact that it was going to happen. And in the Amazon, I was actually able to hunt down and kill what's called a white lip peccary. And I took that down with a primitive longbow that I'd made. And, <laughs> and from that day on, it was, you know, it, it kind of blew their minds. For me, it was just a dream hunt. I mean, except that I forgot my clothes on that dream hunt. <laughs> but it's a, it was it was truly a dream, though. You're you're hunting just like the natives. And in the Amazon, that place was vicious. But it uh, but one thing I went like, you know, I thought to myself, hold on, you know, all this knowledge I've got from hunting the you know, Colorado backcountry and different places throughout the world, or not too much of the world, even just most of the United States. But the uh, you know, it, it paid off. So, so here recently they stuck me out in Africa. Well, <laughs> after I took that pig in the Amazon, they, they figured, all right, let's take this guy. Let's put him out solo in Africa 
and I, you know, they deny it, but I think they were trying to think like, oh, let's teach him a lesson. You know, you know, he thought he could do so well in the Amazon. Let's put him out there alone in Africa. And no one's ever started alone on this show. Um, and, and it is a hundred percent real. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous real. Like whenever someone asks me, is the show real? I laugh at them because it's more real than you can ever see on TV. The editing can only show a fraction of what happens. Um, but say you're out there for 40 days. That's, you know, every night you're, you're, there's no camera crew. So that means you're out there minimum of 20 days of it alone, you know, without the camera crew. Well, when I'm out on there on completely alone by myself, it, uh, I mean, it's alone, alone. And, uh, well, I got to bring a, essentially my knife, a, uh, a pot and a longbow. So <laughs> again, no clothes for this journey. And, and this time I had turned, I think we've all had that, that kind of moment where we feel a little savage doing something. And that's, I really, really, you know, keyed into this savage side of myself. And, <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it was pretty awesome. I mean, even though I was out there naked, you know, hunting in a land that I've never seen before, I was harvesting Impala, making shoes out of the Impala, you know, bowling cloth, harvesting warthogs. Um, I made all kinds of jerky. I got all kinds of extra gear, fish hooks out of the bones, sinew, you know, cordage. And it was, it was truly like every moment that I've ever done kind of like culminated into that, into, into this, you know, part of me I didn't even hardly knew I had. Yeah, that's, that's totally yeah, badass. Cool. I, I was just thinking about that today. I like one, just as a survival scenario, like, I just imagine myself out in my hunting locations, let's say even just like two miles from a road. Right. And then, and then you're by uh-huh. yourself. And then let's say you have pretty much no gear other than a few tools or whatever. And then you're naked. I was trying to envision that oh. <laughs> like you would, I, I can't, I can't really, I can fathom it, but I can't really like put it into perspective, like how vulnerable you would feel if you're in that scenario. And then you put yourself in a different scenario where you've got predators that can possibly eat you and kill you and other shit that can sting oh. you, bite you, whatever. That's, that's gotta be unreal. Yeah. It's a, uh, what's, you know, what's, and part of this kind of the, I guess the, the, the truly beautiful part, I guess, of this making afraid part is, is we are so reliant on our clothing as shelter, our boots as transportation. And you, when you leave that, Oh my God, is it now all of a sudden you look at a hundred feet away, <laughs> you look and you're like, do I want to walk over there? That's gonna, you know, that's, that's a dangerous walk. Yeah. You know, there's, there's waist high thorn bushes, which is not a fun thing to go through. And, uh, <laughs> and everything becomes, you know, kind of magnified. And it's also, I've never, I've, I've hunted all, you know, all kinds of different animals, but when I was out there in Africa and to make it sitting in a blind, I made out of only purely branches I can find in a place that had no green leaves hardly because it was been drought. I would sit there in the hot sun on the uncomfortable rocky ground, and I can't tell you that ever in a time in my life where I sat so uncomfortably due to the fact that I do not have a pair of pants on. <laughs> you know, I don't have any shoes on. So, you know, no matter how you sit or how you stand or whatever you're, wherever you're doing out there, it is, it's incredibly hard to be patient for the hours you need to be patient and wait for an animal to come in. Oh yeah. It's a, uh, it's, and then you don't have the camouflage that we're used to. So our, 
So my body, I'm having to cover it in mud. That mud eventually starts falling off, and then I'm getting shinier because I'm sweating. And and it's a uh, all the human scent you can imagine. You know, being out there without proper, you know, proper, you know, scent-free soap and everything else. It's it is literally the biggest challenge that's possible, but it's a huge reward when when you do get something. I'll tell you, it's it is emotional moment <laughs> i can imagine yeah that's that's got to be unreal and I, so i've been i've been pondering this idea and i i think i'm gonna do it or i i'm 99 sure i'm gonna do it so basically i'm i'm, I'm gonna make it happen but i kind of want to do like a mini scenario where i put myself out in in you know the mountains here um you know mm-hmm. and i want to do like an overnight kind of kind of almost like solo survival, whatever. And with really nothing other, maybe water. I, I don't know exactly, but like, I just kind of want to put myself in those elements where I'm a little bit vulnerable oh, yeah. and like a, a mock survival situation. Like, like I won't have a tent. I won't have a blanket. I won't have something. Yeah. It'll just be kind of like starting a fire and surviving. Like, do you, do you feel like, I mean, obviously mental preparation is, is huge going into the backcountry and uh, a wilderness hunt from, grueling you know terrain to you know not seeing stuff to you know possibly getting injured whatever um how much do you think like that plays into like hunting and just outdoor like survival or kind of wilderness activities the mental preparedness part Uh, yes that the mental preparedness part you know really is it's 90 percent of that battle because you know whether you're mentally prepared to to spend 40 days you know naked in africa or you're just mentally prepared to sit on a wallow and wait for one elk that you've been watching or hearing or seeing on the trail cams to show up. It's that still that mental, that mental status is, is the key, the key between being successful or coming back with tag soup. I mean, it's, if, you know, if you can get yourself in that, in that mental zone, that, that there is no way to quit. There's no way to stop no matter how uncomfortable, how cold your elk hunt gets, you know, you keep going and, you know, and you're going to persevere most of the time. Yeah. And I I think the only way to really do that is, is just to put yourself in those scenarios and situations, like do something like tough, do something that's outside your comfort zone that, and that's kind of my thought process. Like if I ever did get lost or if I ever did end up in a situation where I had to kind of like survive, I might not thrive per se, but at least I've kind of put myself in that situation before where I, that might give me some comfort if I actually were to get into that scenario. Does that make sense? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. It's a, uh, I mean, I can't even explain how much, how much going out on Discovery Naked and Afraid has helped me hunting back home. And that's because I've gotten used to being like, you know, how, how miserable it can get. And, uh, and now all of a sudden it's like, hold on. You know, now you've, you've trained yourself already. So going out on any kind of a little bit of a mission to where you really embrace that uncomfortable, you know, kind of, you know, crazy scenario, it does, it really does help in any time you actually do need it. Yeah. Yeah. Did, do you find yourself, this is kind of an interesting, I've never kind of been in this situation, but like when you're like, let's say like hungry, I mean, obviously you're probably going a couple of days or more without eating in, in some of those scenarios you've been like, do you find yourself getting like more primal and more like kind of in tune with everything when the stakes are kind of higher or do you find yourself kind of draining in, in that scenario? Is there kind of a tipping point that you yeah. see? You know, there's, there's a couple things that happen 
couple things that happen when you start getting hungry, and we all we all know it back home. <laughs> and that you start getting impatient, and you start getting kind of like, like you know, testy. Yeah. And uh, you're getting you're getting hangry, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so when you're out in the wild, you go through the same emotion. You actually start start to become antsy and impatient, um, and that's the hunger of your body telling you that something needs to happen because your body's starting to metabolize itself. Well, you're out there in a survival situation. You have to learn to turn that off learn to turn away that impatient feeling because you, if you're impatient, there's a good chance you're not going to have, not going to be successful. So it's, it's like a battle against your, what your body is telling you, you got to battle against it. And as you continue the next step, next step is tired. Now your body's saying, I don't want to do anything. And I'm just, I don't have the energy to do something. Well, if you don't do anything now, you know, you're going to be more hungry. So now you're constantly, constantly telling your mind to, you know, to, to pick up the pace and, uh, and get the motivation. And it's, it's a crazy, these steps, these steps that kind of go into hunger, um, eventually lead to that crazy hunger. This is where your body is so hungry that you can feel your stomach, you know, stomach like thrusting with, with these hunger pains and, then all of a sudden now you just realize you're, you, you have a better sense of smell. Your vision is better. Your hearing is better. And your body has now come into primal mode of we are going to eat. And this is part of our evolution. I mean, this, is, this was put in our bodies for a reason, and that is to survive the crazy situations because things that you, you did not see the – possibilities when your body first started getting hungry and you started getting hangry then you know you may have not felt like doing certain things because now you don't have the energy well now you've stepped into this third stage of heightened sense of awareness and you know all these all every sense that you have is heightened and uh and now it is wild how many more animals you see how much how much you know how much detail you find in everything. And that is when your body kind of takes over and it says, all right, I'll get this done. And as long as you can keep the, you know, the mental fortitude going, you know, it's, it's like it, you're built for hunting at that point. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine you kind of almost turn into like a machine, like everything's kind of like instinctual and, uh, it really does. Like what, when does that set in? Does that take like a couple days? Is that like a week? Is that, I don't, I don't even know. You know, it's a, uh, everybody's a little different on where they're going to hit that primal hunger. And I've done it. I've done a lot of, you know, I do survival classes for people to where sometimes we take an extreme five day course. Um, I've also, I've seen, I've seen buddies of mine in the military. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen different people on making it afraid. Some people hit some of these moments where they feel like they're in primal hunger by not miss, by not eating lunch. <laughs> they miss one lunch and they're like, Oh shit. You know, this is, things are getting bad. This is going down. Well, for the most part, you know, you really, you really, you may feel like you're in that mode, but I would say it takes you about three days to really hit that where your senses become, you know, like to a height that you've never seen before. And, you know, some people, some people get, you know, hangry right away. Sometimes, People are hangry for days, 
Um, other people will, will embrace that, that they're hungry and go, you know, a little faster into that primitive mode. But you're, it's amazing. You're as soon as that, as soon as your body is eating nothing but itself <laughs> for a few <laughs> days, it's a, uh, it really does. It takes over and says, okay, it's enough of that. And, uh, you know, and I'm a big guy. I'm about 230 pounds. So my body, my body hits it in a right about, right about two or three days. If I don't have much to eat, um, you know, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I wake up and I was like, Oh my God, I like, I smell ants. You know, you can, the things you can <laughs> smell is, is unreal. And you're like, what is the hell is that smell? And then you go and track it down and you're like, hold on. I can probably eat that. I think, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, just, and then it's, you know, and then you have to, then you have to fight against these urges too. Cause you know, Colorado, we have some things that, that can potentially kill you if you eat the wrong thing. And, uh, and about everywhere on the planet has something that can kill you if you eat it. So you have to fight some of these urges because when you're heading to sense of smell like that, some things smell fantastic. In Thailand, there was some stuff that it smelled like wild cherries and, I could taste wild cherries just looking at it. But if I would have eaten one of those berries, it would have most likely killed me. It's a, it's how poisonous some of that stuff is. And so you have to, you have to fight the urge and make sure you can eat it before you go too crazy on yourself. I bet. I bet. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned survival classes. You teach them what, what's a typical course. I mean, do you offer a variety of different things like winter, summer, different conditions? Like tell, tell us a little bit about like what that entails and kind of how you maybe prepare some of these people for survival if it, if it ever occurs. Yeah. So the, you know, my, so my company is extreme instinct and it, uh, essentially it's the, the survival class I do, I custom make them for, for the individual individuals wanting to take the class. So I would say your average person likes to take about a one day class where you're going to learn everything from navigation to fire starting to water purification, um, shelter making. You're going to learn, you're going to learn a little bit of primitive traps, snares, a little bit of weaponry, a little bit of everything that would kind of help you. Well, then as you progress and you want to take it to the next level, then we actually, I'm teaching you how to make a primitive atlatl out in the wild um, that was capable of killing deer-sized animals, no problem. Um, had a flint map to make your own blades. And eventually, you know, brain tan animal hides to um, preserve meat to, to keep you, you know, to keep you, like, on top. And so I tell most people, like, the chances of you surviving, like, stuck somewhere and surviving to the point where you need to brain tan your own animal hides like I did in Africa, it, Highly you're in unlikely. a bad spot <laughs> because most likely you will get out of somewhere fast enough. But knowing how to do that, what it does is it kind of, it triggers this part in our brain. And this is our primitive, our, our, you know, whole evolution side of our brain that has been there since, you know, the beginning of mankind. And by triggering that, it actually will help out in everything. If you, you know, you just, for, you're out there, you know, camping, and you forget to bring a lighter for the barbecue. You know, you could potentially make a bow drill, get a fire going, and uh, and you know save your save your hamburger. <laughs> and so it's a, uh, but it triggers these parts in your brain that that really once you awaken them, it's amazing to watch. I've watched some people who they would hike before, but they would never they would never want to stay out long. But now what they've done is they're like, you know what? I don't feel uncomfortable out in the wild. 
if I do get stuck, I feel pretty confident. And now these people are taking, you know, week long journeys, um, with, with minimal amount of gear. And it's, it's more or less a confidence that they've, that they've earned, you know, that they've learned and it just makes them feel better about going out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Again, it all comes back to, you know, you've been in that scenario before and you've went down that road. Mm-hmm. You might not master it, but at least you're, you're not so frazzled or lost when, when you start yeah. out. Right. I mean, yep. Any, anybody, any, anybody, you know, it could be in a moment where they feel like, Oh shit, you know, this has got no end, but the more knowledge you have, the more situations you put yourself in, you're like, hold on, everything's got, there's a way to get out of everything. Yeah. And, and that's really what testing yourself is all about. That's, you know, that will, and I, I always tell people, I'm like, you, you'll be amazed at how much just learning some of these survival techniques is going to help your hunting. Because now all of a sudden, you know, I gave you nothing but, you know, essentially a piece of flint to flint nap into something and, you know, and a couple primitive tools to try to say hunt a rabbit down for the weekend. Well, now all of a sudden you get home, you grab your compound bow, you grab a backpack and you're like, hold on. Last time I had to get three feet away. You know, now, now I have, I have gear that, that can reach out a little bit, but you've learned to get closer. You've learned to track, you know, and it's just everything, everything works together. It really helps you, helps you in everything. Yeah, that makes total sense. One, one of the things you touched on, you know, that you teach is navigation and, and, and I always think about, I use Onyx maps and I've got my phone and I've got a backup battery, but I always think about the scenario of like, what if my phone stops working or it breaks, I drop it on a rock. I don't carry a compass with me. I don't carry a map. Like, I guess that's probably not smart to begin with, but two, like what, I guess like as far as navigation, if you were to get lost or like you're getting in maybe even before a hunt, are you looking for certain things or kind of like mentally taking notes or marking terrain features in your mind like how do you how do you go into an area unknown let's say and and navigate through that maybe without a modern gps or technology oh yeah so i mean it's pretty much i would say at least at least three out of four um hunters and campers and hikers do not carry a map they have that exact (laughs) thing you got the gps on your phone you've got your gps device you've got it you know, maybe you've got a Sunto watch or something, but a lot of people do not carry a map. And it's just it, that paper thing. If we don't live in a paper world now, it's all, it's all media and, and technology. And, uh, and so when that fails, which it inevitably will fail at some point, <laughs> um, there's, there's a lot of things, you, you know, that, that will help you get out of it. And for example, you know, you've got a, up here in say Colorado environment, for example, you'll find that moss will grow on the north side of the tree. You, you'll have to, by going out there, you can kind of determine, determine the north-facing slopes versus south-facing slopes by, you know, by how much sun's hitting on those and what kind of growth is, you know, is in those parts. Well, you know, that's, that's one thing as you're walking around. If you all of a sudden you start to get lost, you need to find out where you started. And if you know you've been walking pretty much north from camp to some degree, now you're all of a sudden a blizzard. You can't see nothing. Um, you need to figure out where is south, you know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. where is east? Where did I come from? And, uh, and that's where, that's where a lot of, a lot of the growth that you see, you know, you'll see a lot of plants want the sun. So they'll be growing towards the sun. They'll be growing, you know, towards the south, towards the southeast with the rising sun. And 
and that will help you get out. Well, then another thing I, t- I always teach people in survival classes is how to tell time with your watch. Or I mean, cats, that's why I put the watch. <laughs> how to tell time with direction. And, uh, and vice versa, how to tell direction with your watch. So say if you have, you know, if you have a compass and that compass is, you know, as you put it on bearing north, you stick a stick in the ground, the shadow is going straight towards that north, you know, your north arrow, you know it's about noon. Well, same thing with your watch or same thing with your compass. If you take the compass out, point it north, stick a stick in the ground, and that stick is pointing to the 2 o'clock position from north, then you know about where north is if you didn't have that compass. Um, because if you just had a watch, you know, it's two o'clock, you can be like, okay, hold on. That's north at the 12, where 12 would be. And now it's two o'clock on the watch and vice versa. Um, it will, it gets a lot of people out of a jam and, and uh, I've actually, all of us have gotten lost a little bit, I think in life, even though, even though guys don't like to admit it <laughs> mentally and, uh, you know, <laughs> out in the actual yeah. world. <laughs> yep. It's at least turned around to a degree. And, uh, in the Amazon, Actually, on Naked and Afraid, I uh, I got lost, lost. And on that show, they often will have a camera crew with you. Well, there was a day I was out hunting pigs, and there was no camera crew. I'm just walking around in in a forest that's got a hundred foot tree canopy, so you can't see sun. You you know it's it is hard. You're on the equator, so it's you know there's really no north facing side of a tree or anything. And uh, all of a sudden, I realized that where I thought I was going, you know, I'm, that's not the direction that I should have been back by now. And so I sat there, I'm looking up and there's clouds and there's no sun. And I thought, shit. So I took out my diary camera that they give you. There's no camera crew. There's no GPS. If I was lost, I was lost. Like (laughs) I would have been eventually having to hopefully find civilization. And in the Amazon, you could find yourself in a situation where you have to live for, for two weeks before somebody finds you because that place is massive. And so, so I sat there and I was like, all right, I took the diary camera out, looked at the time and looking at the time, it was one o'clock. It was like one fifteen, I think it was. And I was like, all right. So I was like, I'm going to sit here until the sun comes out. Cause I have no idea what direction I'm walking at this point. And all of a sudden the sun came out, found a spot where it went through the trees, stuck a stick in the ground and scratched the position of the stick shadow in case the shadow went away. Well, I look at the, I look at my camera and it's one fifteen, And so I look at that stick and pretended that that shadow was going to the one fifteen position on a watch and North would be slightly to the left of that shadow because that would be the 12 o'clock position. And mind you on the equator was tricky because I had to remember which time of year it was because the sun does flip from one side of the hemisphere to the yeah, other right there. That's a whole different. And so it has a whole nother problem. And, uh, well, the, uh, so I sat there and I'm like, no way. I looked behind me and I was like, there's no way that camp is that way. I felt like I came from that way. And I almost did our classic move of, of ignore your, your equipment. Cause sometimes you don't trust your GPS and you're like, no, that can't be right. I, it's over this mountain, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, this time I almost didn't trust the fact that that shadow was going the direction I needed, to, you know, that would indicate that I needed to walk behind me. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to try it. And I start, I start walking and I, I would have swore up and down that I was going the hundred, 180 degrees the wrong direction. And nope, all of a sudden I found one tree that I'd cut down a couple days earlier 
to harvest a hundred plum and realized that I was headed the right way. And after about another, you know, mile or so of walking, I stumbled back into my own familiar game trail. And, uh, wow. And, oh man, that was a close moment though. I would have, you would, I would have been spending at least a night or two out there before somebody could find me. Cause yeah, that's, you know, places so thick, you can only see about 10 yards at a time. Yeah. That's wild. Like what, um, what goes, I've never experienced it before cause I've never been in that situation, but like what goes through your mind when you kind of realize you first realize like, Oh shit, I'm lost. And then two, like what, what are the initial steps that you should do? Like, should you like kind of take a break, like maybe meditate, like calm your mind? Cause I know panic can really set in, oh, yeah. in that situation. You start freaking out. Um, you yeah. know, walk us through that. Like what, what's, what do you kind of go through? You know, first first thing most people will go through like that is initial panic. And we live in a world where, like, we want something now. We live in that, you know, fast food world of, like, if there's a problem, we want to get on our phone and Google it, figure it out. We want to pick something up in the store. And so as soon as we – it's I think it's stronger now than it ever used to be is as soon as we're in a moment where we don't have an answer to it, we will panic and try to rush and find an answer. So – most people get lost and they panic and they call ass, you know, a direction, whether it's the right direction or even a direction they have an idea of where they're going because they want to fix and solve the problem like right now. But what you need to do is you need to actually sit back and, and really reevaluate what you've been doing, you know, where you've been going, what direction you might be traveling and, and put, you know, wait for that sun to come out, wait for the <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes you have to wait for, you know, sun to come back up if you had to spend the night and, you know, determine, determine the right direction you have to go. And that is, without a doubt, you have to avoid that panic because that will, that will want to drive you to do something stupid. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally, I can totally see that. So like that would be a classic scenario. Let's say, let's say you were out hunting and you know, maybe you're tracking something or you just went farther than what you thought. And all of a sudden, let's say your phone didn't work or your GPS or whatever. Like, so it's getting dark. I mean, if, if you were in that situation where you knew you weren't going to make it back before, before dark. And let's say you didn't know which way to go. You recommend possibly staying the night and then trying to, to navigate during the daytime. Oh, definitely. It's a, you know, and it's, it's, a, you don't, you have this, you have this thing in your mind that tells you let's walk the hell out of here. I'm not spending the night in this freaking woods. But most people, when you, when you get lost, you're only, you're only feet away from where you should be. But as soon as you get lost, you travel and you travel fast. So all of a sudden, a little tiny bit of lost, you've now made yourself really lost. And there's hunters every year that get lost will follow blood trails because your head's down. You're you're looking for that say bad shot, <laughs> bad Adrenaline, shot animal. Adrenaline's pumping. You're excited. Yep. And all you're doing is looking at the ground. You're not looking at the you know the area around you. Most wounded animals will end up, you know, especially when they're they're wounded enough where they travel some distance, they will end up zigzagging, doubling back, doing all kinds of stupid stuff. And all of a sudden, by the time you look up, you have no idea where you started. And most of the time, that happens to be in the evening, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as, a, as a guide, I find out most, 
I don't know why, but most hunters, you know, with one shot, one kill, you know, no, no wounded shot was in the morning. But the ones that <laughs> always seemed to wound it was always in the evening. And we would be tracking that damn thing with flashlights. And, you know, you have one case where your flashlight dies or that GPS dies. And, uh, or, you know, or the case of just technology crashing on you and you're going to be, you're going to be in a panic mode. So that's where, you know, even though it sucks, you can, you can survive a night, you know, tucked up, tucked up, insulate yourselves with, you know, pine boughs, insulate yourself with, with leaves, whatever you can find and hunker down and, you know, hopefully start a fire and yeah, hopefully get a fire going. Hopefully, you know, hopefully embrace the, uh, embrace the fact that you may just be stuck. You may be only just a couple hundred yards from your own camp. You just don't know it. You know, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you just, you know, embrace that fact that like, all right, hold on. If I'm going to spend the night out here, I'm going to try to enjoy myself a little bit. For sure. For sure. Um, one scenario I got into, I was, I was shed hunting with my buddy, Charlie. It was like one of the first springs I had lived in Colorado and, you know, we hike in a couple miles or whatever, and we get up to the top and we're glassing across the basin and we locate a shed. And this was already kind of like late in the day. And, um, you know, so we were basically like, well, we got to go get it. It's like a fresh brown, nice elk shed or whatever. Yeah. We had never yeah. found one before. And uh, so we get over there and we didn't expect, we didn't expect to see one. And we didn't really think to, that we would end up going that far. But um, like, we didn't have any water. We didn't have anything. We didn't have any like tool. This was just like supposed to be like a couple hour, like kind of day hike. Well, it turned yeah. into like yep. a, all day and, you know, basically wear yourself down and get back at dark. Um, oh, yeah. like that, that scenario, like did, I was, I didn't like fear or anything, but it was just kind of like a wake up call in my head. Like, damn, I need to be like more prepared more sm like smart about this. Cause like oh, it just yeah. shit happens out there. You never know what scenario is going to play out. And, and it just kind of, you know, put a, a bug in my head, like, don't be a dumbass, Right. So like what, <laughs> what, like what, what is a good kind of rule of thumb or maybe what do you carry or recommend that you should have every time you go in the woods, maybe whether you're just hiking or scouting. And then maybe if you're like hunting, do you have like kind of a little kit you that know, you kind of always carry? So I, have, basic? I have some, some like the basics, like do not leave without. And that's, you want two different ways to start a fire. It, you know, you want, you want a lighter. You also want a, you know, fire starter rod, magnesium rod, um, matches, um, you want two different ways to start a fire, and especially in Colorado. We got high altitude. We got cold and snow sometimes in June, and and you want to be able to fight off serious, you know, serious hypothermic, re you know, conditions. So that's one thing I always make sure I carry with me because even if you're going to be hungry, at least you've got to be able to not be hypothermic. Well, another problem is we're up high elevation, most of all of Colorado, and well, hunting anywhere, really, you're going to be burning some water. Yeah. And a little water filtration straw, they things weigh just a mere, like, ounce. And that straw right there will save you in a pinch big time because as soon as you get dehydrated, you're going to start getting headaches, you're going to start getting muscle cramps. And that can be, that could be, you know, just completely debilitating is to not be able to think straight because you got this massive headache from dehydration. So that water filtration straw 
and those you know and those little fire starter rods or fire fires two at least two different ways to start a fire um will save you big time it uh it's also a good idea to carry like a little survival blanket um because most likely if you do get stuck into some crappy scenario you're going to want to be able to make a fast shelter um i always tell people like you're not going to survive um most likely healthy you're going to be a broken leg you're going to be injured of some degree and that is where you know you you just walked in six miles okay yep you know you can walk back out six miles but not if you just broke your hip you know yeah now all of a sudden you broke your hip now you're up there nobody knows where you went because for a lot of us are a lot of us are you know die hard go out in the back country forget to tell people where we're going kind of people and and that right there i mean hell they just think you're out there camping or doing your own thing and you may have to spend you know a few days with a broken hip out in the middle of the you know woods somewhere where no one knows where to even look for you yeah yeah that that would be that would be pretty brutal in in that scenario would you recommend? I mean, you're basically just just waiting it out and staying in a stationary position. Let's say whether whether you're injured or not. Let's say you're lost or whatever. Like, would you recommend in certain scenarios just to stay put and hope that you know search and rescue is going to be there instead of like moving you know, camp and like getting further away from them? Or what do you do? Do you make a yeah, judgment call? You know, it's it's kind of a judgment call. Of you got to remember first of all, like, all right, remember the is somebody looking for you. And are they looking for you in the right spot? So, so you know, if you told somebody you're hiking up so-and-so trail and you're going to be back tomorrow and all of a sudden you're lost, you don't know where the heck you are, then stay put. Because now at least you know somebody's going to be looking for you at the general area where you're at. Yeah. If you forget to tell somebody where you're going and you just all of a sudden parked your truck, ran up, you know, ran up, you know, five mountain peaks away to try to hunt down an elk, and you are lost as all hell. <laughs> and uh, while well, you you're like, all right, hold on, no one's looking for me. No one knows when I'm going to be back. And that is when you know you're going to want to you're going to want to just head head downhill. And uh, most most everywhere, um, you know, the private property is at the bottom. You know, farmland kind of countries. So if you know if you do find yourself lost and you do want to walk out then, you know, I, they always tell you to follow a creek. Well, in Colorado, that means a very windy, steep, oh, you know, rocky slide. <laughs> the creeks are not always your best, but if you can follow <laughs> ridgelines down, it, uh, I always tell people ridgelines are way better than creeks because, you, you know, they always tell you in these handbooks to follow a creek or river. Well, <laughs> unless you want to walk, you know, step over you know, down trees and snags and rock slides for miles and miles. It, uh, grab yourself a ridge, head downhill, and you will eventually hit a road. You will eventually hit something. Once you hit something, you know, establish, you know, are you healthy enough to keep going or should you sit and camp out and wait for someone to come on that road? Because quite often or not, you may be pretty tired, pretty, pretty worn out at this point. And if you just sit there and try to get yourself a fire going, set yourself up a shelter, block the road with a sign, a symbol that, that lets them know that you're there and hope somebody's on it, you know, and yeah. or, or indoor, you know, try to pull a quarter out of your pocket, flip a coin on which direction you should walk on that road. Cause that's a, uh, that's always a, you know, crapshoot there. Cause you can walk, 
you could pick left and you could walk all the way to the end of that road. <laughs> now you just really decreased your chances of anybody finding you because, you know, now you're even further back in where you came from. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. When when you uh, talked about following the creek, there's this one spot that I elk hunt that I I don't use the the entirety of the creek or I don't walk in the creek the entire way to get there, but probably about half of the hike is is uh through the it's a creek bed with running water but i just walk in the dry parts you know you're walking on oh yeah but i swear to god the last two years i have injured i have injured myself walking in that creek because (laughs) it's slippery rocks i've been in a hurry you know and like yeah yeah i've rolled i rolled an ankle the first year and then last year i put a huge gash in my shin because a a rock fell out you know like i thought it was stable and uh man, that's just, it can be brutal. But along those lines, like, is there a certain kind of like safety kit, you know, like that you carry in your pack or what you would recommend to just keep with you at all times for injuries? You or? know, I, oh, definitely. And, um, I, I know I keep, I keep a heavy amount of gauze. And if you have, if you have the ability to carry yourself some quick clot, um, agent, you know, with you as well as some bandages, um, tape, whatever it might be, because more than likely, um, and also, you know, also a good thing to carry in your pack is always going to be some of that mole skin because we're going to get blisters for sure. And, uh, and that's, you've got to protect your feet if you're walking out somewhere. But, you know, if you find yourself in a life or death type situation, you're going to need to stop that, stop that bleeding, you know, as fast as possible. That's when you're going to want to use, you know, use gauze bandage um you know also use quick clot because you're going to be expecting you may have to treat a wound or somebody else's wound i mean it's i carry a, I carry an elaborate kit not even for so for myself but heck you know somebody might fall on an arrow and i find them on the path you know you have to be able you know be ready to treat the worst wounds and then you know your first aid kit's good enough yeah yeah that makes sense Makes total sense. And uh, we talked about a little bit about water purification earlier, but is that something that you also kind of double down as uh, double down on as far as like carrying two, like a filter and then maybe tablets or how do you do that? And, uh, you know, I, I carry, I like to carry, uh, you know, a uh, water filter straw, that, you know, filters at least say 20 gallons. Not that you're going to drink that, but just that, you know, it's going to work. But then also carry yourself some iodine tablets. I mean, you can put iodine, I put iodine tablets before in a nasty, like little puddle. And, you know, it's, it's probably full of mostly animal piss and <laughs> everything else, but you put some iodine tablets in there, it's going to, it's going to kill it. As long as you remember about how, how much water, one of those, you know, one of those iodine tablets, you know, will purify treat, yeah. and you put it and you put enough in there. But, you know, more often than not, I end up, I end up, uh, digging what's called a uh, Indian well. And if that's like a gypsy well, Indian well, it's like a little, you dig a hole next to your, next to your stream, next to your pond. And if you're in a pinch, you can dig this hole and it'll get down. It'll start filling up with the ground water that's around it. Well, the ground itself has filtered out most of the impurities and you have a very low chance that you're going to get, you know, GRDA and some various issues from drinking out of it. It's a, it's a, pretty darn safe way to do it um but then always remember that you know giardia takes about three or so days 
it uh, to get into your body and start affecting you. So if you are in a pinch and you feel like you can get out, but you do need water before you collapse, drink it. You know, drink any water because you know if you don't get you out of there. Yeah, if you don't drink water, you may collapse, and then you know, then you're really in a hard spot. But if you already had taken a few days to go into effect, it uh, you know, you can you can make it out most places in three days. Yeah, yeah, and water, and especially in like Colorado or the Mountain West, man, everything. I just I burn through water, especially archery season. No, I'm, you're hiking; it's hot. Uh, the yeah. air is dry. I I've experienced that same. I, I experienced that last year when we we kind of did a spike camp into an area, and uh, basically there wasn't any water up there, so we just had to go without unless we wanted to hike way the hell down the mountain to a yeah. stream or something. But I will. I mean, I had a headache. Uh, I was not feeling good, and uh, yeah, that's that's just rough. That's uh, that's a tough oh, scenario. And there, I've seen, you know, I've seen scenarios in actual survival moments, like where somebody is out surviving, and and they still don't drink enough water, and that's because you know your water may taste bad, your water, you know, it's it's just they don't feel like drinking it. Well, all of a sudden now they're now they're just their bodies their bodies just not running on full, and all it is is you've got to you know you've got to keep fuel in the system. So it's, it really is incredibly important that you hydrate, you know, before, during, and after these adventures, because otherwise <laughs> you can, you can fall quickly to problems like, you know, all of a sudden you have a, you have a kidney shutdown or a liver shutdown because you're dehydrated. Well, now, now you just turned a day hike into a hell of a problem. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, uh, tell us a little bit about your company. So you said you, you teach survival classes, kind of variety, you kind of cater it to maybe, um, you know, different scenarios, maybe winter, summer, different aspects of training. Um, but you also, you, you also make knives. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. So, it, um, so besides the uh, survival classes, I do a lot of custom made knives. So I've been making knives now, um, for about 13 years and, it's all kinds of knives. It's hunting knives, the everyday carry knives, to, you know, survival big knives, tomahawks, all that. And, you know, I always tell people that a lot of times, you know, we just have that custom knife, that certain knife we want to carry. And the best knife you could carry is the one you're going to carry with you. So um, I do, I can make custom make, you know, pretty much any knife that, that somebody wants. And, you know, I, I enjoy those those custom knives because it's it's that one thing that you know if you have a knife for purpose it's a uh it's so much more useful you know than than just grabbing some off the shelf store bought something that you don't know what to break and every one of my knives have a lifetime warranty on them and i mean when i say lifetime there's no there's no purchase receipt necessary it's <laughs> if something can if it can happen to my knife which is hard to do if it, if you could physically break it or hurt it somehow, it uh, all you gotta do is you know call me up, fix it up, you know make it new sheets, whatever you need it, whatever you need for it. And uh, I've made hundreds and hundreds of knives in years, and it uh, all the ones I get back are are ones that that somebody's done something to them, like you know stuck it in a piece of firewood, and then accidentally stuck the firewood in the fire, <laughs> you know, and uh, that kind of stuff. So it's a uh, it's a uh, it's definitely a passion of mine. 
and you know something I based my whole business around was uh, starting to make knives essentially for military guys and hunters back in the day, and now it's now it's every walks of life um, from lightweight pack you know backpack you know backcountry knife for lightweight ones to you know to your heavy duty ones so. Yes, I, I imagine on the show Naked and Afraid doing all those kind of tours. You've done three. I mean, were you carrying a knife? The was that kind of like your main tool on on all of those scenarios? Oh. It's yeah, it's unreal how handy a knife is when you only have essentially one item um, when you start those <laughs> those challenges, and uh, that item becomes your shovel, your your hammer, your pillow, your you know your axe, your small <laughs> knife, your skidded knife. It's a, uh, it, it literally has, it does everything. And ever since the very, um, um, the very early on part of Naked and Afraid, um, before I even ever did the show, I actually had people contact me and they said, Hey, I saw your website. I like your knives. I like how they're, how they're built tough. Don't look like you could break them. And, uh, you know, how can I get one? And I started making knives for people going out on the show before I was ever on the show. No shit. And, and it's kind of neat because what happened is I, I find out, okay, this person just used this knife, them and their party used this knife for 21 days of hard, hard use and in various parts of the world. And so then I'm like, okay, how'd it work out? And they give me their input on it. And, uh, and then I'm like, okay, I can tweet, I can make it have a little better grip. I can make it, you know, also double as, you know, double as a, um, you know, a spindle socket for a bow drill or, you know, different other tools that they may have thought they needed at the time. And, and it's, it's no better test than when you go out there and literally only have that item to survive. So the, the knife that I carry myself, I call it the naked, not afraid. And I, <laughs> cause I, I tell people it's physically, physically impossible to be afraid when you're holding this knife. <laughs> but, but with that knife, that is essentially all the years of experience that I've had before the show um, experience that I had with, you know, with, with tools that are very needed. And I said, you made that knife just big enough that you can chop down big trees, but small enough that I can, you know, I skinned rats with them and, you know, gutted snakes, but yet then, then chop down big, you know, big stuff, baton through stuff. And that knife's got a section on it to uh, crack open nuts, another section on it to, to polish the ends for trap mechanisms and, you know, a spindle socket for the top socket of a friction fire. If you find yourself needing one of those, um, you can lash it on a cut down fruit way up in a tree. Um, and, and that knife I, you know, I found is it's very hard to beat. However, all the stuff it can do because, you know, just about any situation I could find myself in, I'm like, hold on that, that works well. Yeah. And, uh, and it's been tweaked, it's been tweaked through the years, but that's, that's the important part. I think with any, any kind of gear is that you put it to the test and then, you know, tweak it as necessary. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm sure you found yourself in a, a variety of situations and on the show and all those different landscapes and, and parts of the world. Oh. It's, you've, you've probably went through some crazy shit. I can only imagine. <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's it sort of makes you laugh a little bit when you're sitting out there like okay hold on this is this is what i have you know it's like you forgot to pack like you forgot to pack all your stuff yeah but the uh it's it's incredible how you're sitting there and you know i there's been days where i felt like i probably held that knife in my hand most the entire day 
doing something with it. And it, all different things. It's, you know, digging out termites to, you know, to, to skinning out catfish to, you know, I mean, just anything you could possibly think of, you find yourself holding that item because it's about all you have. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, uh, let's see your third, your third appearance is, is, uh, now airing on discovery. Is that, is that correct it for is. the summer? Yep. So this day, uh, so I actually have my own series there on the discovery.com. So you just go on discovery.com and you scroll down, you see a savage series and you click that and that's a, uh, each episode is eh, six to eight minutes long, but it's showing a little, a little part of this solo adventure I was having in, in, uh, in Africa. And every Sunday, a new one comes out. And then it should be Sunday, June 17th um, at 7 o'clock. Uh, or no, at 7 o'clock Colorado time and at Mountain Time. will actually be a one-hour show on the Discovery Channel itself um, dedicated to showing the whole, the whole you know, solo survival time I was doing out there. Plus, you will see that I, I from that day... Um, kind of join morph into um another challenge that uh, i can't really talk about until the show airs but the but it's a uh, it should be a pretty awesome show because like i was saying so far you know so far you'll see me take you know two impalas of warthogs i'm actually catching releasing some catfish which <laughs> which was funny because i i was you know i wanted to learn how to catch the catfish and as i would catch them i would learn a little bit better ways to catch them and a little bit more you know like just more successful ways. And, and I sat there and I, I hadn't seen anybody. I've been by myself filming by myself. I had one camera guy that was, that was following me around. That doesn't talk to you. And, and I hadn't seen anybody. All the producer shows up. I just killed a warthog and I just got this warthog. And I got it skinned out and I'm sitting there slicing it up into pieces to a uh, hang for biltong or turkey. And, uh, and producer shows up and he's like, Hey, First thing he asked me is like, did I hear you for catch and releasing catfish? <laughs> and I, and I, I like, I looked around and I'm like, did you see the warthog? And he's like, yeah, but you were actually releasing, you know, catfish. And I, I thought it was hilarious because I was like, how does he think it's a bigger deal to release a catfish than it is to get a warthog? Nobody's ever killed a warthog on a show. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's mainly because when you're out surviving, if you're releasing animals, that means you have a lot of success. Yeah. Because normally in survival, you would I would sit there and dry those catfish out. Even if I wasn't going to eat them, I'd dry them out and, you know, keep them for a later date. But I had so much meat, <laughs> so much jerky at this point that I physically was worried about, can I carry it all? And... It was, so I was like, nope, catfish, I don't have room for you, but I need to learn how to catch it. So, you know, let it back, let it, you know, let it go. <laughs> and, uh, I released, I released a few catfish just that one day. And, uh, and it was, it was nice. It felt like I was not so much surviving, but just kind of living out there. And, and you'll see that when you watch a, when you watch that Savage series, you'll see that I try to make every day a little bit better than the last. And you'll see that it's all, it's all mental state. You know, I'm, I'm at there not really just suffering through each day, but like, okay, how do I, how am I, how can I be more successful? How can I acquire some more things that'll help me survive out here? And, and that's what to me, I thought, you know, I really think helped me thrive, you know, in that challenge versus just getting by. 
yeah. was that ability that I just persevered to make every day a little better. Yeah, and that's really cool. And, and like in your scenario, it's just not the norm. You see, although, you know, you had a bow and, and, and some of that equipment, but like, you know, the norm on that show, from what I've seen of it, people are people are hurting pretty good. It's not easy. Oh, they, yeah. And that's, and just, you know, there's been a bow on every single one of these XL challenges. This is the fourth one of it. Um, and this, besides my bow, there's four other survivalists out there that brought a bow. Oh, really? Um, out of the 12. And so there's four bows out there. Um, and, and they didn't kill anything. And, uh, and at this point, at this point in the show, um, they unfortunately have not had any success with them, but that is, you know, it's tough. Like I said before, it's incredibly tough. And there's a reason that, I mean, I was the first ever person to get a big game animal on the show in Amazon. And then I got the second, the third and the fourth big game animal. As you see so far, there may even be some more to come. And, uh, <laughs> and so, the other people that are out there, it's not so much that they're, they're not, you know, they're not, they're no good at hunting, but it's just that it's so hard to hunt out there primitively that a lot of them, you know, have just, you know, they're, they've got missed shots. They didn't sit at the water hole long enough. They didn't camouflage themselves good enough, just like any of our hunts back home, except out, out there really is your, the difference between suffering and thriving. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, before we wrap this up, um, where can we go to find out more about you and the knives and survival school where you got website, Facebook, all that stuff. Yeah. So if you, uh, go on, uh, extreme instinct and that's extreme with an E and then instinct, um, dot com, you'll see, you'll see my website up there that has all information for, um, the knives. You'll see a small selection of, of knives on there because like I said, most of the time I'm doing custom knives. So you tell me, Hey, I like the naked mount of freight blade, but I want a green handle, you know, multi-cam sheets, whatever you might want. And it's all handmade. It's all custom made for when you want it. And then you'll also see all the survival classes. Like I said before, those are, those are kind of tailor-made. So if you got four people and you want to, you want to go out, say, you know, July 5th and spend four days, you know, up in the high country, then you, you know, you just let me know, Hey, does this date work? If they don't work, we'll find a date that does work. And, and if you want to learn more of the primitive hunting with the atlatl and, and trapping mechanisms, we can learn more of that. If you want to learn more to make a fire, um, navigation, you know, you know, primitive hide tanning, any of that stuff, flint napping, um, you know, it's all, it's all kind of catered to what you want to learn. Um, and then we, you know, you know, take care of all the basics as well. Um, one thing you that will be up on the website soon is we're actually taking in and expanding those survival classes a bit. And I got my captain's license in Florida and a boat down in Florida. That's actually, uh, that's custom made for essentially bow fishing and adventures. Well, what I'm doing is I'm actually going to be opening classes up in Florida to where if you want to learn essentially a little bit of the survival basics of, of the jungle to the beach, but yet you don't want to just do survival. You want to sit there and bow fish or shark fish or fish for tarpon or, you know, try to catch some snook. And, uh, you can mix all that together. And, uh, and it's a really neat, very neat day, uh, way for somebody to go out, you know, learn a little bit of the basics or a lot of the basics, but then also go out and be able to have some fun, catch some fish and, uh, and see, you know, see Southwest 
you know, Southwest Florida for all it's got out there. Yeah, that sounds sounds badass. I'll have to definitely check that out. And I'll include links to your site in the show notes here. Um, oh, yeah. Really, really cool shit. Um, yeah, before before <laughs> one last thing before I go out yeah. and do my do my kind of overnight survival mission on my own. Any, any last tips? Should I, should I go in naked or with, with clothes? It, uh, <laughs> so it, uh, if you want to get the full experience and I go up as, as naked as you can, you know, walk out with flip flip flops and, and, uh, shorts and a, uh, and you know, go with what essentially you would go to maybe check the mail. Um, <laughs> But yeah, try to spend a try to spend a night or two out there, and you'll kind of get you'll kind of get the uh, full ex, you know a little bit of part of the full experience of of what it's like because you even though you don't want to it uh, the less you bring the more you get out of it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm going to learn a whole lot about myself, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be able learn, to think you'll about. Learn about <laughs> you'll learn about insulating yourself a little bit with <laughs> whatever you can whatever you can crawl into and. And trying to stay warm because it uh, <laughs> that's uh, something you realize that clothes are real good at doing that you don't take you take for granted a lot. So yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Well, cool, Matt. This has been this has been great. I think I think everyone's going to get a good perspective of you know just basic survival and you know some tips and and all that good stuff. So I appreciate you oh, coming on the uh, show. We'll probably have for to do sure. a, some sort of follow up episode, maybe where we can dial oh, into yeah. hunting a little bit more at some point. But you know, I think this yeah. has been good. And again, appreciate you for coming on. Hey, definitely sounds good. Glad to be on. And there it is. Thanks for tuning in. That was a fun episode. Thanks again to Matt Wright for coming on the show. If you haven't checked out that Savage series, definitely go to Discovery and 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 watch some of those episodes. They're pretty cool. They're like seven, eight minutes long. Nothing, nothing too crazy where you got to spend a, a whole day watching them. But Matt gets after it. He kills some cool shit in Africa. And, uh, you know, definitely not the norm for for that typical show um so yeah and, and t- check out some of his knives he does some really cool work i've seen some of them in person and um yeah he's he's just an all-around bad bad dude so uh, give matt some love follow him on instagram check him out on facebook all that good stuff and um yeah thanks again for you guys for listening if you like what you're hearing if you like what we have going on, definitely subscribe. Hit that subscribe button, and uh, you can subscribe through SportsmanStation.com or you know if you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever. And then leave us a leave us a good review. I'd really appreciate that. Um, anybody who leaves a review, I I'll put your name in a hat, and I will I will send you some free gear, uh, either a shirt or a Transition Wild hat. You might get selected. So. Leave those good reviews. Be much appreciated. And uh, follow us, Sportsman's Nation, on Facebook, Instagram. Follow Transition Wild, Facebook, Instagram. Go to transitionwild.com and and subscribe. Give me your email. I'm not going to spam you. I swear to God. Just, <laughs> just give me your email, and I will send you the Colorado Beginner Elk Hunting Guide for free. So if you're a rookie, don't know what you're doing, you're feeling kind of lost, Go get that guide. It'll walk you through all different aspects of kind of scouting, gear, getting prepared, uh, where to hunt, regulations, all that good stuff. And it's a, just a nine or ten page good resource, good guide that you can kind of have and, and get you started. So go subscribe. I'll send you that for free. Go to the Transition Wild store. 
buy some swag, buy some, buy some gear. <laughs> Uh, that, that would be much appreciated as well. There's some cool shirts. There's some really, really innovative designs I'm putting out there. Just kidding. I'm not going to talk it up. But if you want to buy one, they're, they're cool. Kind of motivates me when I'm wearing them. Like, hey, elk season's coming. Deer season's coming. It's time to get prepared. All right. That is it. I, again, appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.